0: After yeah, the final time of the 2022-23 football season, we welcome our next guest, Mark Slareth, NFL and Fox Denver Sports to Bickley and Murata Mornings. Mark, it was great to see you for a few minutes on Media Row uh, last week. How are you doing today?
1: Man, I am doing great. How are you guys doing? How, oh, just... coach? Congratulations! It's over.
2: Yeah, a p- long local nightmare is over, Mark. A- apparently, Mark Eagle fans are having a parade <laughs> that Jonathan Gannon's leaving town. <laughs> Come on, they are. Now
1: that's the that's the Vic Fangio
2: effect, uh,
1: yeah. right? I mean, I mean, Vic Vic Fangio, when he became the head coach of the Denver Broncos, said "Death by Inches," and you witnessed it during the Super Bowl. He his defense gave up "Death by Inches." They just let them uh, meticulously roll down the field mm-hmm. for four straight scores.
0: Yeah, and while we're on that subject, it's been such a a, a divisive topic coming out of that Super Bowl. The the penalty on James Bradbury that was called for holding, and I know, what was the number, Bick? 63 pass attempts before that, not one defensive holding call. I thought it was a penalty. I hated the late nature of the flag, but what did you think of it, Mark?
1: Well, here's like I always think about the way we as players operate, right? You you get a feel for how uh, an officiating crew is going to officiate a game, and you know you maybe before the game you go talk to the officials, say, man, you know, what? I mean, I get it if I'm I got my hands outside or if I yank somebody down with my hands outside, like I get throwing the flag on there, but you know I should be able to undress this dude if I can keep my hands on his breastplates, right? Yeah, and so that that's not a holding call. And so there's there's a lot of things that you look at from that standpoint. The fact that there was no illegal contact, there were plenty of illegal contacts during the course of the game. I can point to five or six on each side. Um, the fact that there were no defensive holding calls, was there defensive holding before that? Certainly there was defensive holding before that. So there were none of those calls. So you've established the way you're going to officiate the game. I remember a story about Greg Maddox saying, hey, this way I used to approach it. You know, I'd throw a ball on the outside. Hey, man, the ball on the outside gets called for strike. Then I go to the black, and I throw it over the black. Okay, that gets called for strike. Then I go an inch outside. That gets called for strike. Two inches outside. Still gets called for a <laughs> strike. Now, all of a sudden, I go four inches outside. No, that's not a strike. Okay, now I've established the plate, and all I expect from you is to keep consistent with what the call is that we've established. That's pro- play. All players play that way. Uh-huh. I know what I can get away with. I know what I can't get away with. So I look at it like at that point of the game, when you haven't called it all game long, and maybe it was a hold. I guess, you know, Bradbury said it was a hold. Whatever. But come on. Like like anybody who's pissed off about it, I hope you get you know, I hope you get a ticket for going twenty seven and a twenty five <laughs> today. Right? Like 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 hey, Johnny Law here, you know, he comes right. up and he goes, Hey, excuse me, sir you know why I pulled you over twenty seven and twenty five, and that's just not going to happen in my town. You know, I mean,
2: yeah. give me a break. I'm give with you. me a break. I'm completely with you. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about Jonathan Gannon because chances are maybe you've heard something about him. Obviously, um, there's some trepidation given the fact that the Cardinals seem to be running out of options. Seeming that uh, there wasn't a lot of interest in the job in the first place, and there were a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, this so, is you know, another young first time head coach, and we're not sure how this is going to play out having dealt with cliff kingsbury and yet people say jonathan gannon has got that it factor that cliff kingsbury did not have the ability to captivate a room and you've talked repeatedly on this show how important that alpha presence is at the top of an organization so your surface thoughts and jonathan gannon is the new head coach of the cardinals well listen i mean
1: like there's always going to be growing pains there's always going to be things that you have to figure out um and as a as a head coach, like I think one of the big issues for head coaches is you walk away from that coordinator job or that, you know, that that linebacking coaching job or whatever it is, um, you lose a little connectivity with the players. And I think a lot of guys struggle because that's what they love about coaching, right? Connecting with those players, putting those players in positions to win. But I will say this about Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, he's a buddy of mine and and I've just gotten to know him over the last two years. And I think the guy is like, he's a phenomenal personality, uh, great energy and really, really does a good job of assessing what players can and can't do and putting players in position to be, you know, to, to, I guess to, to fall upon their strengths, you know, to, to lean into their strengths and, and mitigate or minimize weaknesses. So all that stuff is really good. Again, Anytime you're doing a job for the first time, I mean you're probably a much better radio host now than you were the first time you ever cracked a mic. Like it's just part of the process of growing to do this to do this stuff. But I really I'm really a huge Jonathan Gannon fan. Glad he's getting this opportunity. And I think the other thing is, man, I'm I'm telling you, like, commanding a room and and being one of those guys that will listen to players and will, again, put them in positions to win, but there is no pushing. He's not a pushover. He's not one of those guys that just says, okay, whatever you guys want, like we'll make this work. He's not that way at all. I mean, that dude is in charge. Good. Um, and so I, I I find it, like I I find the balance to be able to do that, right, to completely be in charge but all at the same time listen and, and take Take in that information. Like he's, he's. I think he's really good at that. So I'm really excited for Jonathan again. Man, he's a good dude. Really good dude. Uh, and I'm.
0: I'm curious on, on your philosophy on this because we heard it from Shane Steichen yesterday. He gets introduced to him uh, in Indianapolis as the new head coach, and he gave all the credit to the players. And We know it's a player's game. Coaching's not nothing, but if you were going to like split up the pie chart on successful offenses or defenses, how much would you give to the players? How much would you give to the coaching slash scheme?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got to have great players. Because if you don't have great players, you're, it just doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't have great players. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be hard to win. But I think there's a huge factor in in a coach's ability to determine what a player is great at and then put a player in that position. And so it's, it's a hard. It's a hard like to throw a percentage on it. Um, You know, there's plenty of teams that have great players that have bad coaches and the teams that don't win. Um, I I just think it really it really boils down to everybody's got talent. It's putting that talent in the right position. You know, Sean Payton told me this a long time ago, um, and he said, you know, one of the issues with young coaches is young coaches see a juicy matchup and they're like, man, I can't wait to take advantage of that juicy matchup. And that, yeah, like, hey, listen. That, that's, that's where we're going to attack, and that's going to be great for us, right? And then you go, well, wait a minute. Anytime we get in that position, you know, our running back's got to hold up against a, a blitzing linebacker, and our running back can't block that guy. Yeah, okay, but I, I get that, but, you know, let, let's just see how it goes. Like, you just got to hold up. You just got to hold up. And, you know, ultimately you might complete one of those juicy matchups, but then all of a sudden you get up a strip sack fumble, uh, return for a touchdown the other way, and you lose a football game. And so the big thing is first and foremost I gotta mitigate a potential weakness. Uh-huh. Once I mitigate that weakness, you know, then I can attack that juicy and if that juicy matchup um if it if it exploits a weakness that we can't overcome, then we gotta just go on to the next matchup. And so I think young coaches sometimes have a tough time uh because they see something they love and they're just like, hey, we'll just hold up on the back end, or we'll just hold up on the blitz pickup, ball, or we'll just hold up there. And that's, it, it doesn't work that way. So, like, you can't, you can't go, okay, it's 70% players and 30% coaching. I think it's, it's a, you gotta have great players. There's no question. But I think it's, it's probably closer to 50-50 than it is, um, you know, than it is yeah. 70-30 or 80-20.
2: I'm real comforted by the fact that that, that you, uh, you uh, have a lot of good things to say about Jonathan Gannon. And, and you know what I think about, too? I think about the defense as that game went on. If a slippery track always favors the offense, that field at State Farm Stadium couldn't have been doing either defense really any favors. How did that happen at the end of such a great week in Arizona to get a field like that?
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. Obviously, you know, they roll that field in and out on those railroad tracks, and I don't know bringing it back in, you know, bringing it inside from outside, if it it creates condensation or, you know, but it it was awful. And, you know, I was always a stickler for being there early and making sure I understood every spot on the football field, what it felt like, you know, and what cleats I wanted to wear and all that stuff. And it certainly looked like, it affected the Philadelphia Eagles more than it did the Kansas City Chiefs, and um, you know, obviously, unacceptable. I mean, th- that field spent eight hundred thousand dollars on that field. I'd have done it for four hundred. Uh, you know, with my landscaping, I'd have done it for four hundred grand, and I guarantee you, everybody would have slipped just as much, uh, but you'd have done it for. You've done it for half price, and then so how you how you wasted eight hundred grand on that? I have no idea. If that's not an you know an
0: advertisement for mm-hmm. you to get the uh, the contract on yes. next year's field in Vegas, where oh by the way yeah. they wheel it in on a tray, it might it might happen again. Mark stinks landscaping. Yeah. I
1: love it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, always a pleasure yeah, to talk best, to you. Thanks so
0: much for spending another season with us every Wednesday. We really appreciate it. Mark, be well. It's
1: always a pleasure. You guys laugh at my stupidity. So I appreciate you. Uh, We're big fans. (laughs) See you, Mark.